Well, hello, and welcome to The Insecurity Project. I'm your host, Jamin Fraser, and I am on a mission to end the unnecessary suffering caused by the fear of not being good enough. We've all got it. We've all got to work through it. But thankfully, there is a clear, intelligent, and complete solution to the insecurity problem, and that is what this project is all about. Hope you enjoyed today's program. Hey folks, my guest on today's show is Mike Clark. Now, I've been doing the key person of influence business accelerator run by Dent Global, which has just been such an outstanding experience, and I'd highly recommend it to people in service-based industry. Uh, Mike is on the global leadership team for Dent and is in fact the Queensland state leader. So he's an amazing guy, brings a wealth of his own business experience to the table and has some sharp insights uh, in terms of how to run other people's businesses. Uh, His background, he started in business pretty young and had some red hot success early on in the first year of his very first business venture. As part of a team, he took a business from 1 million pounds to 11 million pounds. Uh, From there, he continued to experience some incredible success, continuing to take companies from a standing start into the multi-million dollars worth of revenue and profit. Uh, He he built Europe's largest LinkedIn training company. He secured exclusive deals with some of the world's biggest brands and served them through that business until it was eventually acquired. Uh, He's actually writing a book, which is due to be released early this year, How to Really Use LinkedIn. So get your hands on that when it comes out. I thoroughly enjoyed today's conversation. He shared some really high-level insights in terms of uh, business, and but more specifically uh, out of the, the overflow of his own journey and in personal development growth to be where he is today. So I'm sure you'll find it useful, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Now on to today's show. Hi, folks. Jamin here. You're on the Insecurity Project, and today I have the great privilege of interviewing Mike Clark, Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Damon. Very uh, pleased to be here. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's a it's a real privilege to be able to have this conversation. I, I love this subject, obviously, and uh, I'm always so fascinated about people who are doing well and doing big things and uh, always so fascinated about how they've done that and how they've overcome more the internal limitations rather than the external ones because I think they're probably... Um, what I'm most interested in. So, yeah, I'm I'm really grateful that you're willing to share from your own journey, and I'm sure people will find that valuable. So, thank you. Sure. My my pleasure. Looking forward to it. Cool. Um, so we'll dive in where where I always start the conversation with my guests is back at the beginning. Uh, I'm I'm interested in you as a child, and particularly the role your parents played in in shaping you. Uh, I, I'm uh, the reason I ask this question for people is that uh, I think uh, often people use that as a reason why they haven't succeeded. They think, well, because I started out like this, that therefore mm. I've been limited and if my parents had been better, if I'd had this opportunity then. But it turns out, you know, people have all kinds of different starting points and some have great ones, some have poor ones, and it turns out that's not the thing that, that shapes the end point really. Um, but always very interested in the start point and how that shaped you as a person and how that uh, the the obstacles you had to overcome. So tell us a bit about what it was like growing up in your family and the role your parents played in shaping your self-esteem early on. Yeah, sure. Well, I had a bit of an interesting background, Jamin, in, in that I was actually born in the U.S. So for the first six years of my life, I actually grew up in the northeast part of America, 
uh, okay. in the place. It was in uh, in the state of Massachusetts. So I went to a few different places around there, but mainly Newburyport, which is north of Boston. So I grew up there and had family in different parts of the northeast. And so, and then from when I was six years old, I moved across to Australia. So I've carried the, the I picked up the Australian accent, but I always had a bit of an international background. And that was one yeah, thing right. I actually took a lot of confidence from, if I, as I'm reflecting on this, because I, I just noticed that a lot of my friends when I was old enough to you know, uh, sort of understand a bit more about my friends and their backgrounds and where they came from. I noticed that a lot of my friends hadn't travelled much um, and I was very fortunate from an early age to, uh, you know, to sort of experience the world. We actually, I remember when I took my sixth birthday, we had my, uh, had a birthday party at my grandparents' place and then as a result of that, we then jumped in the car and drove across America for a month, actually. And we saw <laughs> oh, wow. a lot of, yeah, so, we, so I got a really good experience of a lot of different cultures uh, through that trip, but also every other year we would basically fly back to the US and, and on the way we'd stop in Hawaii or we'd stop in different places. And, uh, you know, I remember I went to Bali. This is when I was maybe 10 or 12 years old. And this is like nothing like it is now. It's so commercialized. You can't haggle. Like back then there's broken bricks on the road. You'd be looking down to the sewer. You'd have people chasing you down the street. You could basically haggle for anything. So yeah, I, I, I took a lot of pride in that. Um, I think that I just was able to experience the world. So that, that in itself gave me a lot yeah. of confidence, I think. And um, there's probably a couple of things that sort of stood out from that. Uh, one of them is my grandfather, actually. I remember his, his philosophy always rings through my ears. He, I remember he said to me a number of times, um, he said, you know, Mike, I don't care what you become in this world. He said, whatever you do, just be the best you can be at it. And that was, now that was a message that really I took to heart. And he, I remember he said that to us a few times. This is my uh, grandfather from the U.S. And, uh, you know, he said, I don't care if you're a janitor. You know, he said, if, you're, yeah. if you want to be a janitor, go ahead, be it. But he said, be the best janitor that you can be. And, yeah. um, you know, I sort of almost have a tear as I come to those eyes. I mean, he passed away hmm. a number of years ago. But he was, he, he had a big influence on, uh, on myself, definitely. Um, you know, and, and I also took, you know, getting back to the travel experience, my, my mum had actually at the age of, uh, when she was 19, actually, she travelled the world and went to like 20 odd different countries. Uh, you know, the female, she went to Afghanistan, I remember, one of the places she went to, this is, would have been back in like the 70s, early 70s type of era. Um, you know, so I actually took a lot of, I think, um, confidence from that. And I, I think I, my, my background from that international experience and my grandfather's philosophies, my my knowledge of my mum and dad who met travelling as well and as well as through my, my mum's travel experience. I sort of, I don't know, I, I had a natural, I think, confidence, um, yeah. as, which, you know, I, I haven't thought about this for a long, long time until you asked me the question, <laughs> but, but definitely I think that that was sort of the background to it all. And my parents were quite entrepreneurial as well throughout their, their years and they sort of were starting different businesses on the side and everything, so... Sort of, I think, you know, if I look back at it now, that's, that's sort of shaping of, uh, you know, yep. my beliefs around, you know, confidence myself, you know, what I could achieve in the world and, uh, you know, and having the support of my, my family around me, for sure. So, you know, to your comment, I think, you know, I, I definitely didn't see my background, or my upbringing as being a disadvantage. I, in my case, I feel very fortunate that, that I, I saw it very much as, as an advantage, if I reflect on it. So, uh, yeah, hmm. <laughs> that's sort of the background yeah. of myself. Yeah, oh, well, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, are both your parents still alive? 
Yeah, actually, wait, I don't even remember at one point. This would have been back when I was about early 20s. I, I, was, I, I, I never really met anyone else who could say this, not that I asked everyone, but um, I, there's at one point in my life where I could say that on both sides of my immediate family, all my aunts and uncles were all married, all had children, no divorces, and there was no deaths. So all my grandparents, or both my grandparents were alive as well. Um, so yeah, well. There was a, that was up until what, maybe 21, 22. Then my, my, my pop over here in Australia passed away first. Um, you know, but I remember reflecting on that around that sort of late teen, teenage years, early 20s, going, wow, that's, that's a pretty you know, amazing thing in this day and age with divorce rates so high and all that sort of jazz. Um, you know, so I took uh, that. That also gave me a lot of confidence around family structure and that type of thing. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, but yes, nice. to answer to answer your immediate question, sorry. Uh, yes, my both my parents are still alive. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, great. So uh, thanks so much for sharing. So obviously started well and had uh, the amazing gift of family and extended yeah. family part of your journey and uh, an experience of the world putting something really big inside of you. Um, so tell us, tell us a bit about as you grew up, um, was that, did that just keep growing inside of you or were there times where kind of insecurity or some lack of confidence limited you? Do you ever, do you ever remember being oh. limited by fear or insecurity? Oh, right. There's, uh, there's one story or image that comes to mind as you ask that question, definitely growing up, like, I think I was somebody who did have natural confidence, um, probably yeah. sometimes a bit of arrogance at the time, being you know, a little cheeky. Sure. <laughs> so and so at <laughs> that age, you know. Um, but, you know, I definitely got some grounding over, over, over time. And, and uh, I remember this one moment when my aunt, actually, in Australia, she said to me, she, she saw me once, she goes, oh, geez, Mike, you've put on a lot of weight. And, and oh, that, wow. really, that really knocked me. I remember that moment. I must have been around 12 or so. And, you know, and I remember looking in the mirror and I got conscious about my weight um, and, and I sort of developed a, uh, my, my way of reacting to that was just to turn that into like, I'm going to show you, aunt. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and basically I got out there, started working out, going to the gym. Um, and, you know, and I have to say that that moment when I reflected back on it, like as you asked me that question, I remember as a few years later, as I was growing up, I had some friends around me who, who just had these sort of natural bodies. There's a couple of friends I had who just didn't do anything, didn't do one sit-up, but they had a six-pack. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And yet, here's me going out there. I had to work. I, I was playing sport. At one point, I was playing soccer, you know, six, seven days a week. I was doing yeah. workouts in between, and, you know, and I was doing lots of, I got into weights and everything like that. I ended up building a, a nice physique for myself, one that I was very proud of. And I remember at one point reflecting, going like, geez, I'm so jealous of these guys, you know, that, that they just get it effortlessly. But then I stopped it. I remember I was, I was walking on a sand dune. It's funny you ask me this question because I hadn't thought about this in years, but I remember walking along a sand dune, and I was, you know, in my head I was bitching about, you know, oh, geez, it'd be, they get it so easily, right? And I yeah. remember just thinking, like, hang on, Mike, everything you've earned that you cherish most of my life, I, I was actually also mm. in high school told that I wouldn't get um, an overall position, an OP. Uh, and in Queensland, yeah. so I studied in Queensland, and I went to grade ten. And uh, my my uh, grade ten uh, sort of conductor or coordinator told me that the best OT that I could get would be like an eight or a, a ten, and sort of bell curve, meaning one and one is the best, twenty five is the worst, and majority of them end up around OT twelve. Um, okay. And and uh, and I remember he told me like, Mike, the best you can do is get an OT ten. 
And I was like, screw you, man. <laughs> yeah. I was like, and, 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 I, and, and as a result of that, it's forced me to knuckle down. And, and I remember the day that I graduated or I got my results back after graduating, I got an OT4, I believe, which put me in the top like 5%. Um, wow. and, you know, and, and I remember just reflecting on that and reflecting back in terms of like when I was, had, to, had to do a lot of exercise to keep in good shape. And I remember at some point, I'm not exactly sure when, but I remember just thinking like all the things that I've been tested with that, that I wish I'd been given easily, I had to work hard for, but I recognized that, that that sort of that hard grind approach to getting the result was actually the thing that actually was, was the thing that, that really shaped me and shaped my belief and shaped my attitude and gave me a lot of confidence in my own abilities. So, you know, had it been gifted, had it been gifted for me, probably wouldn't have taken it, you know, as, as much as, you know, when you really work hard for something. So Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Interesting also that you talk about uh, the drivers around, you know, your auntie highlighting you'd put on weight and then your school teacher telling you what you couldn't do. Um, the last conversation I had with Simon Reynolds, he, mm. he, really, he really drew the distinction around the fact that what if you remove the judgment from insecurity and... And just say, well, ultimately, the question is, is it getting you more of what you want or is it limiting you? Mm. Um, mm. So, because there are sometimes, as he pointed out, that in his early entrepreneurial journey, it was the people that said, you'll never amount to anything, you won't do yeah. this. And that, that drove him almost to the point of obsession to go, right, well, I'll show you what I'm capable of. I'll show you I have value by what I can do. I'll show you that I'm better than you think I am. Um, so yep. out of that insecurity caused him to excel so yeah absolutely. so that insecurity served him um which is, is in some ways exactly what you're saying too around the weight piece this insecurity oh my goodness i'm overweight that drove mm. you to, to prove to your auntie and then to prove to your teacher that you were better than that and you could whereas had you been relaxed and yep. had it come easy then you wouldn't have you know seen what you were capable of um absolutely. So, yeah. yeah so then um as you've kind of grown uh, well, well tell, tell us a bit about what happened next to you. So, you know, so you did well at school better than people said you were going to do. And then uh, what happened next in terms of your career path? Uh, well, career path, I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do when I left school. I just wanted yeah. to, to beat my, <laughs> beat beat the result that my, uh, you know, the, the coordinator told me I couldn't do. So the moment I did that, I, I was a bit confused around where to go. I didn't really have a clear direction of like, oh, I, uh, you know, I want to be a doctor. I want to be, you know, in, you know, whatever it is, whatever career path. I had people around me who did know that. And I, again, I remember reflecting on that thing and geez, I wish I'd, I had clarity on that. So I actually decided to take a couple of years out. Well, I was only going to take six months out, but it turned into a couple of years uh, backpacking. So at the age yeah. of 18, I basically, when I finished high school, I worked three jobs and then basically saved up, you know, about, I don't know, six, seven grand and jumped on a plane with a good mate of mine. I planned to be gone six months and I was gone two years and I backpacked all over the world and hitchhiked from like Belfast to, or Dublin to Belfast and different things like this. So, um, you know, so that, that in itself, I have to say, traveling, um, you know, is definitely something that gave me a lot of, A, confidence, but B, understanding of myself. You know, when you, yep. when you, spend, when you spend time with yourself and you're forced to just figure out what do you want to do and what's of interest and that sort of stuff... Um, you know, you're forced to meet people, put yourself in an environment where, you know, you don't know anyone, but then all of a sudden you turn up and you've got to interact and, you know, you, sometimes you have a, an ordinary experience. Other times 
just have some phenomenal experiences with people that, you know, you see them for one night and never see them again. So, you know, that yeah. definitely shaped shaped my, you know, my my sort of vision or reality or understanding of myself. Um, yeah. fed me, fueled me with a lot of confidence that I could put myself anywhere in the world and, and end up well um, and know how to handle myself. Um, but then after that, I uh, came home. I literally studied a uh, university degree, which was fueled by my passions. Of, I was just curious to understand these topics because I didn't have, still didn't have any clear direction of where I wanted to go. And I ended up studying in human resource management and business psychology uh, was where okay. I ended up. And, uh, and at the end of that degree, I uh, had the opportunity to be a HR manager for a, for a boat company on the Gold Coast. And, you know, at the same time, I was, as I was going to my university, I was also studying. I got into, uh, you know, a lot of personal development stuff. And a good mate of mine, we would all end up going out, you know, sort of clubbing sometimes. We would end up in the corner of the nightclub talking about all the books we're reading and all the yeah. other things that are of interest for us. Uh, you know, we started reading the E-Myth and Robert Kiyosaki and um, uh, The Magic of Thinking Big by Dr. Schwartz and, you know, learning about mindset and positive thinking versus negative thinking and how if you fuel one, they really sort of they expand. And so all these concepts were just at the early stage of just capturing my fascination and, and my friend's fascination as well. So, uh, you know, he, he actually uh, went on to, uh, you know, beat about 500 people to get this job, a high, high-end high sort of uh, IT job, but he quit after a couple of weeks to start his own business. And, uh, you wow. know, so we fueled each other to help get in business. And, um, and then at the same time, I got sick of the HR job that I was doing because this job was pretty much doing everything that I learned, the opposite of everything that, that I'd learned of best practice in HR. So I thought, if this guy right. can build a successful business, I can do it. And, you know, yeah. and, and that's actually when I, uh, you know, I then actually, as a result of that, met Daniel Priestley and Glenn yeah. Carlson from, uh, you know, Dent. Dent. And, uh, you know, and, and immediately I recognized that those guys were studying a lot of stuff about different areas of our life from health to wellness to, you know, how to pick up girls through to, you know, business, through to mindset, psychology. And it was just like a bit of a mastermind group where we're just all reading, consuming information. And, and it was like my uh, a group that I just really gravitated to. So, you know, that's sort of what happened next. And then I sort of got involved with the Dent organization and for the last 15 years been involved with small businesses. But that's how it started. And, you know, and, and we actually, when we first started with them, after we gave this business pretty radical success, we actually was, they couldn't keep up with the growth. We gave them tenfold increase of business. They went from one million to just shy of 11 million turnover in the first year of us working oh. with them. And, uh, yeah, that was my first year in business. And, you know, we're flying around the country like madmen. We grew a team from just about the three or four of us to a team of about 20 or so. And then, uh, and then shortly afterwards, they, they couldn't sustain the contract because they just had to do the liver. So they said, you know, they had cut it off. So we found ourselves going, well, what are we going to do next? And we knew we were good at running events. So we had the opportunity to actually promote a few speakers and our sort of personal development slash entrepreneurship. And we were basically just, just sharing with the world what we were finding passionate and interesting ourselves. <laughs> yeah. That's sort of how my, my business career really sort of took off from there. Amazing. Um, thanks for sharing. Just to cycle back to where you started that story, yeah. uh, really fascinating that off the back of the external drivers to prove something to your aunt and to your teacher, mm. the after you'd proved it, um, then to kind of find yourself without clarity and motivation or is a really interesting thing because that's part of the limitation of the insecurity piece is it's if it's driven by the need to prove then the moment you've completed that 
then you you're left with nothing in exchange. Mm. So then you talking about the process of then going and finding yourself and finding yep. internal motivation and internal identity um, seems mm. like a big part of really what's propelled you into the success you've experienced. Um, mm. Do you agree with that? Mm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I hadn't thought about it like that before, but yeah, I can I can definitely. Uh, see that that I think I was just on a, a bit of a mission to really understand like what is it that that is my thing you know like what is it yeah. that, that that lights me up because I, I I do remember reflecting on some of the people in my high school as I mentioned earlier who just knew that they wanted one of them was a really smart guy and he just knew he wanted to be a doctor you know and he and he and he went on to become that and you know and he was somebody who used to look at and go wow geez, he just knows what he wants and I didn't know that so that's why part yeah. of the travel. Actually, you know what it was? Actually, that's what it was. I was actually flying back from the U.S. Uh, on in, in grade 12. We did a trip over there because the other thing is that my grandfather, what he instilled folks, in us was that even though we're international, um, he instilled this philosophy now, that every Erica second year we bring all the family together. So throughout my, my so childhood, into my teens, etc., we would always get together as a family every couple of years and spend at least a week together all connecting, which is fantastic. And, um, you know, he set some, some traditions in our family that, that we're all, all of us are going to carry on and we are continuing to this day. But, um, you know, I, sit, I remember I was on the plane on the way home and I sat down to this, next to this guy and this guy was this, I don't know, early 20s guy and he looked like a backpacker and I just started chatting with him and I was just mesmerized by his story. He was saying, I've been here, I've been there, I've been there. And I was like, wow. And I remember I came back from that and I went, that's what I'm doing. I don't know what I want to study or what my career looks like, but I know I want yeah, to do that. <laughs> and, yeah, well, I, I went back to, my, to school when I got home and, uh, and basically just pitched my friends that I'm going backpacking when we finish and who wants to come? And a friend who was sort of in a similar place as myself said, yeah, let's do it. And, uh, you know, so anyway, that was part of how that all came together. But part of why I also did that is because I had a lot of friends when they said to me, I said, oh, what are you going to do? If you're not going to do this, what else are you going to do? And they said, oh, well, I'm not sure what I want to do, but I'm going to study this. And I said, why are you going to study this? topic if it's something you really want to do because yep. you know it's going to end up being something that's that's fruitless i didn't see the point in that and a number of my friends said well their response was well if i don't study it now i'll probably never study so i may as well go and i was like that just didn't make sense it didn't make sense to me to just go oh i may never go to university uh be you know this is the only time i'll go it and instead of doing something that i want to study i'm doing it because i just feel like it's the thing i should do really i was like it just didn't didn't make sense to me which is why i just never connected with that logic so i went ah at least i'm just going to follow what my passion is and to be honest i reflect on it i think that's what i've pretty much done throughout my career as well like when we're in that period when we get a company tenfold increase of business, you know, we, we literally were sitting around a table and said, oh, wouldn't it be awesome if we could just promote speakers like this guy and this guy? And then sure enough, just by putting that intention out there, uh, our mentors in our networks connected us to those people and we found ourselves launching them in the UK literally about one to two months later. Um, you know, and all we knew at that time is that we were just passionate about that stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so, well, it's... it's it. I mean, it's interesting. I'm I'm working with Year 12 uh, in my local high school in Goulburn, New South Wales, and um, you know, I think the co- coaching 101. So, what do you want? Like that is that is the yeah. foundational question for all kind of coaching conversations. And yeah. it always astounds me about how few of the Year 12 students are able to answer that question. Yeah, I um, mean, you know, there's always one or two who have some clarity, but the 
in the vast majority of the students who are finishing a significant season in their life and launching the next don't have clarity around what comes next. And, yep. and so many of them, like you said, just like, uh, I, well, in the absence of clarity, I'm just going to just do what I should or do what someone else wants me to do or just play a safe yep. card uh, so that I don't regret this. And, and those decisions end up shaping the next 20 or 30, even 50 years of their life. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, mate. Um, yeah. Um, so I think I, I think the what do you want question, like I say it all the time to these students, I say, look, I, it, it is the most dangerous and difficult question in the world because, you know, if you if you say what you want, we, you could get it wrong, you could get judged, you could fail, you could be rejected. Yeah, it's a pretty problematic question, but it also is the most human question, and and in in fact, it is the adult question. You know, I, mm. I think. That's really adulthood. It's being able to find the answer to that question and explore what it is that you really want, what you want on your terms. And so cool hearing yep. your journey. That's kind of what you've discovered. You kind of gave yourself the permission to go play, not have to rush to answer that question before you were ready, knowing yep. that it would it, you would discover it if you remain curious and open. And that's uh, just a beautiful thing to watch what happened when you held the space for that question. So thanks yeah. for sharing. No, what a pleasure, mate. And, you know, it's nice to reflect on this, actually. <laughs> I haven't thought about this yeah. for, for quite some time. And, but obviously they are things that do end up shaping your future endeavours. And, and, you know, and I just find that the, the schooling system, if you look into it, you know, it's based on a Puritan work mentality of, uh, it was the current schooling system, which is changing, I see signs of it changing in the in the, in the market. But particularly yeah. when I was going through it twenty odd years ago, I actually just had a graduation, twenty year reunion, <laughs> which is a bit of a yeah. whoa moment. Um, yeah. But you know, particularly back then, the the school, you know, the schooling system was designed to produce, you know, it was created at the you know the early nineteen hundreds to basically for factory workers to produce factory workers. To not really yep. question things, but to produce a, a mentality of a worker who would actually just work in a factory line and, you know, create a certain outcome. It, it wasn't designed in a way to stimulate and ask the question, what do you want to do? You know, what instead? Yeah. And I think that that's why for, for me, definitely with our kids, I've got two daughters, one and two at the moment, you know, um, and actually my, uh, my um, ne- uh, sorry, nephew in South Africa, my wife's from South Africa, so... Uh, he's actually been brought up and homeschooled. And if I look okay. at what, um, what uh, my uh, sister-in-law is doing in terms of the raising of him, she's really letting him be guided by his natural interests. He's got a passion okay. for plants and animals. So basically what she does is she teaches everything you need to teach around reading, writing, arithmetic and everything around, around animals. You know, so yeah, like, right. oh, how, many, how, how many lions do you see here? Hey, which part yeah. of the world do lions come from? You know, and oh, yeah. here's so they learn about the world. Oh, here's where lions come from. Oh, here's where lions come from. Oh, what about giraffes? Where do they come from? Okay, and so you know, you can learn. You can help to basically guide a child to, you know, to be engaged and to be tuned in by helping them to, to connect with what you know what their natural interests are. So we're, it's definitely something that my wife and I have talked about quite a bit. Where we want to base, you know, make sure that whatever schooling structure that they're part of, that that that's part of it, and we want to help our kids to understand, you know, their natural way of being, because otherwise, it's you're trying to, you know, put a a, a, a square peg in a round hole to fit in with a standardised system, which just doesn't work. It was brilliant, you know, it was that that structure 
of, of creating, you know, consistent education for people through, you know, the last 50 to 70 years has been brilliant because the level of education and reading and writing and, you know, standard education across Western cultures is, is, is commonplace now, you know. I think I was reading some stats the other day that in the early 1900s, the number of people that were, able, were, were literate was like 24% of the entire population. Yeah, right. Whereas now, I think of the entire world, we're up to like around 75% of the entire world. You know, which is, yeah, which is okay. phenomenal, you know, it absolutely is. phenomenal. Yeah. So, so that schooling, that standardized schooling system to understand about the basics of, of education is important. It's done a lot to raise our overall education. But now, ref, upon reflection on it, well, I think there's much smarter, better ways which, which can help uh, kids address that question you're tackling with them, which is, what is your passion? Why are you here? What do you want to do with your life? And, you know, the schooling system, to my knowledge, doesn't really tackle that in a mainstream sense. Um, but, no. you know, if you, can, if you can help your kids to sort of get that intuition, help them understand what's, what they love and what their passions are and what their interests are and, you know, what lights them up, you know, by the time they're, you know, 10, 12 years old, they can be really clear on that. Like, I'm absolutely certain that uh, my, my nephew is going to do something with animals, 100%. Like, I'd be absolutely yeah, shocked sure. if he's not. He's, he's, he's buying bath clubs, he's doing like, like <laughs> he's got his own little enclave of, of animals, you know, everywhere. Uh, yeah, sure. So anyway, so so anyway, so I think I think that's a, a call it a failing, but I mean I think a lesson that we can take of the the schooling system, in particular me of being a, a new parent, I'm going to be very much more mindful of, of helping my kids to tune into what they love. Hey, great. And so your current your current role in business, you know, you're uh, at the big end of town doing some pretty big big projects, big numbers, lots of people yeah. looking to you. Um, you know, I'd imagine there'd still be times of uncertainty and times where you're out of your comfort zone and times where you're facing challenges that you haven't faced previously. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'd be, I'd be really interested in terms of some of the rituals, some of the, the processes, the frameworks you, you use to stay confident and secure in who you are and to really continue to build empowering beliefs in your capacity to still follow your passion mm. and to still move forward unhindered into a big life and an effective life. Can you tell us a bit about what you sure. do well now that works on a personal development level? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, personal development, as you probably gather from what I've shared so far, has been a key part of my interests and hobbies and just, you know, understanding of myself and the world and how it works and the laws of the universe and things of that nature. So, um, you know, so I definitely have been putting into practice a lot of things. I've been, you know, I remember in my early years, I've, I've put together like Mike's success system. <laughs> I'm pro- yeah. version version 1.0, whereas now I'm probably on version, geez, I don't know, <laughs> 20.0. Um, you know, yeah, always sure. different iterations of it. But I, there's numerous things I do, mate. Um, you know, it's been a little disruptive lately with my children coming on board. I've actually had to, just this last week, I step back a bit to sort of go, hang on, I need some new structures in place. Because I used to do yeah. things when I could control my time where I'd get up in the morning and I would meditate as a starting point of my day. I would, you know, yeah. look at the lessons of, that I'd taken on board the previous day, look at what was causing grief or frustration or anxiety, sort of look at them from a 360 degree and figure out how they're actually serving me. Um, and, I used to, and then I'd look at, you know, do a process of gratitude and then visualization for the future. So when I could control my time in the morning, that's how I'd love to start my day. Uh, but okay. with my with my girls being they are now, where they're very uh, and, and we've just literally moved from the UK to Australia. So I've uprooted the whole family, moved here. It's been a highly disruptive 
period, the last. Yeah. Well, not and even before that, then 2017, uh, with the birth of my second daughter, I had uh, over 100 trips to the hospital, um, and three we ended up spending two weeks at Ronald McDonald House. It was incredibly oh, nice. um, challenging period. And it's all about personal development, actually, through that period. Uh, that put everything yeah. I'd been focusing on to the line. You know, my daughter, uh, who's all healthy, fine now. She's uh, she just started walking last week, actually, which is super oh, cute. Lovely. But but she, you know, we were staring at a premature birth, you know, before the the trimester, like at twenty weeks, um, and that is a very very scary uh, proposition at that stage. And yeah. so anyway, so so you know, to try and still maintain business focus whilst that's going on personally was a like you know was a, was a big one. I put everything that I I'd learned uh, from my personal development to just stay focused. I wouldn't let myself go to the end outcome. I'd stay focused on the energy and outcome that we wanted. Um, but that really tested everything. But um, you know, now now that I'm I'm here and what I do, I think really I, I design my week and my teams up in, with a structure. Everything follows a rhythm. That's what I've learned. Is that the more okay. things, the more, the more that we are congruent with ourselves, uh, or let me put it another way, the more we're congruent with ourselves, the less stress and anxiety we often feel. You know, the more but we're congruent say, with ourselves. Tell us a bit yep. about what that means to you. Yeah. So, for example, if you say I should get in shape. Okay, yeah. and you then say, okay, I'm, that's important to me. Whether you set a goal or whether you just talk about it to yourself, and you say, okay, I'm going to start working out. And then all of a sudden you do that. But Or, or, or let's say and you do that, you're, you're congruent. You're feeling good about yourself. Okay. That's where esteem yeah. comes from. You know? And you're saying, okay, now I'm, now I'm aligned with my word. I, I'm holding that to be true. But all of a sudden yeah. if I say I, I should get in shape, but I don't start working out, all of a sudden I'm feeling incongruent. And yeah. then I start beating myself up internally. I start having the mind chatter of going, like, ew. Hang on, she yep. said you're going to work out, but you're not working out. Geez, oh, you should. Geez, you always do this. Why do you do that? Geez, and then there's a whole sort of voices of I'm not enough, and you're not good enough, and blah blah blah, or kick in. You know, so I just try and manage things whereby you know I, I look to be as congruent and as aligned to my philosophies and, and what I say as much as possible as a general rule of thumb. You know, right. just generally throughout my life. You know, that's just one philosophy. Um, but then setting things up in, in terms of like your team structure when you've got a business, like there's always stuff in business that comes up. Um, it, so if you don't have a structure of how you operate, um, if you don't have a structure to capture problems to then discuss problems with your team and to circulate it, find solutions, then problems just always circulate. Stuff that will always yeah. come up and you'll feel, feel like it's a, it's, a, it's a mess. But if you have set meetings where you go and you have like structures set up whereby you, uh, you know, um, you, you create things like have a board or what we call a Trello board where you can capture any problems or issues or cascading messages that everybody needs to know about. You just, as they pop up, you capture it, you grab your phone out, you grab your, uh, you know, your, you jump onto your computer, you chuck that thought in there. Uh, and basically, you know, the more you can free your mind up as a general rule so that you're, you're any, anything that sort of just keep running round and round and round again in your mind, you can have a place to put them and you have a regular rhythm of when you will address them, whether it's weekly, fortnightly, monthly, et cetera, you have these sort of meetings. Um, yeah. You know, that it gives you the ability to, to sort of not focus on. And that's what I find with a lot of people over the years is that whenever people, and even myself, I, it's not just people, it's myself especially, whenever I notice that I, the same thing keeps going round and round, I'm like, hang on, I haven't developed the right structure or rhythm in my life to make sure that I can actually just find a solution to that. So what needs to change? Yeah. So it's a constant. So actually, as a result of that, I got some awareness on this just recently. My my wife and I are actually having a life meeting today because there's a number of these things that are popping up 
that we need to tackle and visions for the future we need to discuss. And now we've just put in place a, you know, a regular meeting that's going to happen every week just so we can talk about life stuff. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. so I think just as a general rule of thumb, the more that you can just sort of create a regular rhythm, whether it's with your team or with yourself, whether it's, you know, I'm now getting back into as a result of, you know, this disruption, I'm now taking more control over like a regular morning routine that I'm doing, um, you know, of a meditation process, regardless of when the kids are here or not. So, yeah, um, sure. But just everything I look at is through like a rhythm and a routine, basically, uh, and try and have a space to capture that sort of stuff. That's really cool. Um, as you were sharing that, I was reflecting on uh, one of the key learnings out of this podcast from last year, a conversation with um, Ellen Jackson. He's a positive psychologist, and she was talking about the laps, not laps. <laughs> that's, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Ben. She was talking to me about yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's the acronym um, mindfulness exercise diet and sleep whatever okay. I can't even think what that's what that spells but um, okay. the the idea behind that is that to to not practice healthy eating regular sleep some uh, regular exercise yep. and and mindfulness slash meditation is to put your system into survival mode. Mm. You're not excelling. You're not. You're not. You know, doing over and above. That's just par for the course to have those factored into your yep. life. And so, if you haven't got them factored in, then you're in deficit and you're in survival. And so, your brain is using all its resources to survive. And so, yep. there can be no growth in survival. You're just mm. getting mm-hmm. by. And so, I think often fear and insecurity really comes alive when you're in survival mode because it's all so uncertain and you're in chaos and difficulty so um, it's when you lock those things away then all of a sudden you breathe and you can relax and you've got space to think and space to explore and you're not going to die and you know then you can move into a growth mindset so uh, i was reflecting on that and it seems like that's exactly what you're describing from a business sense and a, a personal sense as well just to go deal with the stuff that's going to push you back into chaos and, and a form of survival, you know, create systems, create structures so that mess is taken care of um, both internally and externally so that you are then freed up to to think about growth and to think about the future and to think about life. And, um, yeah, insecurity is less likely to take hold if you are able to be free from survival. Yeah, 100%, mate. Uh, and, and, you know, and that's another key key aspect of, of what I've done and what I observe is, is really just understanding the mind, you know, and really understanding the different parts that, that, uh, that play and which things are triggered by which parts. You know, I, I yeah, had right. a, coach, uh, a coach for about 10 years who I worked with initially once a week and then it got to once a fortnight, then it was once a month for the last few years where he would really okay. just coach me in my internal mindset, just understanding the mind, because it's such a powerful tool. And actually, my, my favorite book, one of the first business books I read, or, or personal development books, was uh, The Magic of Thinking Big by Dr. Schwartz, or Schwartz, yeah. I believe. And, uh, and the, last, the last quote of the book is one of my favorite quotes of all time. It says, this is the last sentence of the book, it says, a wise man will be the master of his mind, a fool will be its slave. Yeah, well... You know, and, and, I, and the more I've understood about the mind and what we talk about in our, our uh, training program and stuff, there's three parts of the mind, the reptile brain, the, um, the monkey brain, and the empire builder brain. You know, the, the, the monkey brain is, if we believe in evolution, it's designed to, when we evolved from primates, um, you know, and we got down on the land and started, you know, hunting, gathering, etc. 
And it was designed purely for survival, fight, flight, or freeze. You yeah. know, if this animal's coming at you, you need to figure out what to do if it's, gonna, if it's likely to kill you. You, know? you don't have time to sit there and contemplate. You have to react quickly. Um, so it's a yeah. very par- primitive part of our brain, which what you're saying there is if you don't set yourself up, if you, so basically by not setting yourself up with a regular exercise, mindfulness, healthy eating, etc., straight away you're, 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 you're triggering these lower parts of your brain, which means that you're, you're, setting yourself, you're setting yourself up for failure straight away. You know, um, it's hard to, to move forward from there, which is why having this regular rhythm of whether it's meetings, whether it's routines, whether it's rituals, whether it's meditation, yeah. you know, I think everybody has to find their own thing of how they, what juices them up. Some people are morning people. I'm a terrible morning person. You know? yeah. I'm much better in the evenings, etc. So, um, but I find routines in the morning sort of just let me sort of be at peace with things. Um, you know, but you know, and I think studying the brain, like the monkey part of the brain to the next part, is this is where all the mind chatter comes from. It's all the limiting beliefs, the self-doubt, the I'm not good enough, you're not worthy, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. So, you know, you've got to be careful if you pay too much attention to that. If you believe that, if you believe the voices in your head, whatever they're telling you, um, my coach used to say this to me all the time. He said, if you've heard it before, don't trust it. If you've heard it before, don't trust it. Yeah, exactly. What? So, well, whatever, what does that mean? So whenever I would hear this voice of, oh, you know, let's say you set a goal, um, and in the early parts of it, you know, setting a business, yes, I've had a lot of success. I've always had a lot of failure. I've had a lot of things that didn't work. So all of a sudden, yeah. the moment that I go to set a goal of, around something where I've failed in the past, I'll sit there and go, geez, it didn't work last time. Is it going to work this time? You know, yeah. that's immediate, that was some of the voices that would come up. So if I paid too much attention to that, I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah, sure. So pretty much what my, what my uh, coach was telling me is, is that, and what I learned to be true is that anything that's a consistent voice is, is that the, the monkey part of the brain is, is like the hard drive of the business. And basically, it's aligned to, to survival. So its, it's default mechanism is saying, well, have you done this before? If you've done it before, did you survive? And if we survive, um, well, let's do it away that, that way again. Because at least we survive that way. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yeah. so that way, if, if, and so if you're doing something differently, which in business you're constantly doing, you're constantly doing some stuff you haven't done before. So if you're not yep. aware and mindful of it, you're going to be triggering that monkey part of the brain, which is going to be doubting you the entire way. So um, but that's not the truth of it. That's not the reality. That's just the voice internally because the monkey is designed for survival to help, to, to help us keep us safe and calm and alive. You know? So we've got to find mechanisms to just put the monkey in the cage, <laughs> wrap it up. Yeah. Appreciate, appreciate the, that it gives us some insights and some, you know, it's there to warn us for certain things. But then the goal is to really sort of reach that upper part of the brain, which is what you're talking about, is where you have consistency, you know, your, your certainty for the future, the vision that you're living into is not creating fear, but it's creating, it's creating confidence. Um, and when you're in that space, you're much, much more vital, you're much more resilient, you're much more creative around, you know, the outcomes you can produce and so on. But, you know, it, 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 it takes a lot of time to really under, understand which part of the brain is in control at which time and a lot of self-awareness as well. <laughs> uh, so. I'm so glad we're recording this. Like I, I think to myself, every time I'm having these conversations with people of, of uh, exceptional quality and caliber, I think, I'm just so grateful that this is being recorded and I can hear this again and share this with others because um, it's, it's beautiful stuff. It's life-giving stuff. It's stuff that works and mm. it's, it's meaningful. So I, I acknowledge uh, the gold and appreciate your generosity in sharing the stuff that's worked for you. So thank you. Cool, mate. Well, 
thanks for thanks for helping me to reflect on this because a lot of this sort of stuff <laughs> develop over time, you know, and it, it yeah. becomes the internal drive. It's my beliefs, it's my philosophies, and I feel fortunate with what we do that we often have to pass on a lot of these nuggets to our clients. So there's also a lot that we don't, you know, that that's just sort of the underlying drivers of how we got to where we are and the philosophies of of what we use that that really underpin what we do. So it's nice. Yeah. It's, it's really nice to reflect on this. Uh, I hope uh, people tuning in get value from it as well. So oh, without, uh, without a doubt. Um, so you mentioned the magic of thinking big. Uh, have yep. there been any other books that you refer back to, or you think are really have been pivotal for you, or stuff you refer yeah. to others in terms of this mindset stuff, especially in relating to fear of not being good enough and and really dealing with that internal chatter. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think a lot of the stuff that, you know, Daniel Priestley and Glenn Carlson coming out with around the, the different parts of the brain is stuff that I really tune into. Um, some of the earlier uh, speakers who had a big impact on my thinking, uh, definitely uh, John Martini, Dr. John Martini. We promoted him for, yeah. for quite a while. And, you know, okay. he's a guy who, who, the most meticulous guy I've ever met in the world who, you know, was told really? by the age of by the age of seventeen he'd amount to nothing in his life because he was dyslexic, never read, he couldn't read, so he'd never read a book, uh, and all of a sudden had a near death experience at the age of seventeen, and then went on to when I met him, you know, in his early fifties, he'd read over fifty thousand books. When you do the numbers wow. on it, it's like six to seven books a day that he reads. Um, and wow. you know, his insight—he studied over 480 different ologies. I didn't even realize there's more than like at half a dozen, <laughs> like biology, psychology. There's, there's there's over 480 of them. He studied them, really, know, meaning that he's <laughs> he studied over like 100 books in each one of them. Um, you know, so it's just uh, it's it's uh, you know, so he had a huge impact in my uh, awareness, my understanding, and spending time with someone like that who has a vision of how he's going to be remembered for like thousand years plus in the future was, was yeah. pretty remarkable, you know. Um, so, you know, and his understanding around religion and all aspects of life and so on had a huge impact. But also just, you know, taking challenge is that, you know, challenge is, is that it's nothing good or bad. It just is, you know. Like, like your comment earlier on is that, you know, things happen in the world and it's how we react to it, which is the important things. You can look at it yeah. from a victim mentality and you can say, oh, Paul, why is me? Or you can look at it and go, oh, geez, that's crap. No, that's not the reality of it. I'm changing that. And, yeah. and it fuels you, you know. So one can actually, you know, be your foe. The other can be your friend and really drive you to success. So, um, you know, that sort of Martini's work had a huge impact. Wayne Dyer as well. I love the, yeah. uh, the Power of Intention book. That is a Beautiful phenomenal book. book. It's actually one of the books I've intended to read more over my, uh, my life because it's just about how the power of intention creates outcome, which is a hugely intriguing uh, topic that, uh, that I've been fascinated with over my career. Uh, you know, like the whole idea that a placebo effect, a sugar tablet can have like 5 or 10% cure rate. How on earth is that possible? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah, purely yeah. the intention that's put into it and, and, and how we believe. We believe something that can foster outcomes in our life. So it's just those sort of things, particularly in the earlier years, had a, had a very big impact in terms of my thinking my psychology and how I would approach challenge and all this sort of stuff. So, um, yeah. and, and I, just, I just want to say as well, mate, just, you know, you mentioned it earlier and I didn't really tune into it or, or feedback on it, but, you know, like I'm still constantly, you know, uh, I'm not sitting here trying to say my world is rosy and life is amazing. Yeah, right? sure, no, I, sure. I, I have good days, I have shit days. I have days I yeah. wake up and I'm feeling like it's too much and, 
No, like, it, it, but it's, I think it's just a matter of we, we've got to accept that that's the reality of the world. I mean, we do have good days, we have bad days, and it's more just about having tools and techniques to just reshape your thinking so you don't live into that reality for a long time. You know, so I just want to make sure that that's, that's clear. I'm not, no way, no, 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 some sort of guru sitting here with, you know, every day just waking We're all up. Sorted, it's amazing. Yeah, sure. That's bullshit. Nobody knows that day. <laughs> Nobody does. Yeah, for Absolutely sure. Nobody does. No, I appreciate no. you. I appreciate you acknowledging that. That's useful because it's just that's valuable for people, no matter where they're at, to go. Okay, this is not about getting it right all the time. The the whole purpose of this framework and these tools and this conversation is to give people yeah. ways to course correct. It's to get back Absolutely. into the space. And when you find yourself out of the space, well, here are the tools. Here are the thinking. Here are the tricks. Here are the techniques to come back to a place of congruence, a place of wholeness, a place of rest, a place of Absolutely. security. And every time you're there, then the world's different. And the more yep. time you can spend there, then the, the better your outcomes become. So, Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. You know, and, it's, and it's the reality of it. You know, it's, life is life. <laughs> um, yeah. I, actually, just on that point, I know we're sort of getting close to time, but, you know, Martini did this study where for every day, Every 15, uh, every day for a year or two, I think he did, was minimum a year, maybe two years. Every right. 15 minutes, he had a trigger on his, uh, an alarm that he'd carry around. He had to give himself a weighting of either, I think it was either went up to positive five and minus five. It was either scale of positive okay. five to minus five or positive three to minus three. It was, one of, it was a range of that, right? And he just, every 15 minutes, he'd just give a score by how am I feeling? Negative one. Okay, oh, I'm feeling positive two. Okay, great. And he basically... Over the course of the year, every 15 minutes whilst he was awake, he would score himself. Guess where he yeah. came to at the very end of it, at the end of the year? Guess what his score was? Uh, um, zero? Zero. Really? Yeah. Yep. So here's a guy who's okay. studying all this stuff, preaching philosophy, advising on it, and that's why when, when he looked at this, uh, when we discussed this during the, the training process, it was just like, listen, nobody's got their shit figured out, you know? Yeah. Um, nobody who's sitting there, you know, everybody has good days. Everybody has bad days. It's as you just yeah, said. Now, yeah. It's about having the tools to just understand when you're in, you know, some of the language you're using now, which part of the brain is in control at the time. So you can go, whoa, hang on. Yeah. Right, I'm aware of that now. All right. Do I want that to be the case? Because sometimes you want to just go, you know what? I'm just going to let it happen. I'm just going to be in victim mentality. So, you know, and I'll give myself yeah. sometimes. I'll just say, I'm going to be a victim mentality. Well, shit. <laughs> yeah, and just enjoy it. <laughs> and you just go, I'm going to be, I'm going to allow myself to just complain and moan, okay? And yeah, then, and then you said, at some point, you know, I don't let it go on for too long. And I'm like, okay, great. I accepted that now, and now I'm now moving to the next phase. So, yeah, um, yeah. you know, but it's, yeah. Anyway, interesting stuff. Very interesting conversation. <laughs> so good. Um, anything else that you think we've missed in terms of this subject? of insecurity and, and specifically relating to people in business and entrepreneurs, Ooh. any other any other thoughts that have come to mind that you think we haven't touched on that are useful for people? Oh, mate, I mean, there's a lot more detail I could go to around how to structure your days and set up, but, but I think definitely, um, I mean, one, one last thing is, is, is like, it's just understand that, that fears and concerns and, and whenever you're fearful, okay, which happens, is that you, it's all, fear is nothing more than uh, the concern about the vision you're living into. Right. You know? So, uh, and so that's why it's important for us to recognize that, and this is when, when I, there have been troubling days, uh, you know, over my career, and I'd be concerned because the vision of my reality that I think I'm living into is negative. It's like, oh, this is going to happen, and you know, this end outcome is going to take place. And if that ha happens, oh, my world's going to be terrible. But what I've learned yep. over time is that 
I always end up in a pretty good outcome, no matter what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah sure. I'm still here. I've still got, you know, a roof over my head. I've still got all these, you know, wonderful people in my life and everything like that. Yeah. So, you know, so I think that just to be mindful that, that whenever you're feeling fearful, constrained, concerned, just, just check in with the vision you've got for yourself. What is the vision yeah. that you're, you're living into? And in that moment, you'll typically find that it's a fearful vision of negative outcomes. And just so if you just sort of use that as an awareness checkpoint to go, oh, okay, hang on, maybe we'll just dial that back a bit. What is the vision I'm living into? What is that reality? Hang on, it could be this. Yeah, it's likely going to be this. Yeah, great. And I think just, just awareness of, of those things. And I think overall, awareness is a really, one of probably the most powerful words of this is that just being mindful of, you know, who's in control, where the voices are coming from, how much attention you pay to it, you know, and starting to just observe those conversations that are going on in your head. If you can start to pay more attention to that, there'll be some of the, you know, the, the breadcrumbs uh, to the trail of, of leading you to a bit more of a peaceful life, which I think, particularly in business, is why we do it. We do this for the aspirations of having a business that serves us um, and serves the lifestyle that we want to lead. So, um, yeah. and, you know, and being mindful of the vision you've got for your business, vision you've got for your life uh, is really key to it all. So, um, and, and all in all, I hope it's been, use- hope it's been useful. Um, and feel free to reach oh. out if uh, anyone's got any sort of feedback on it. So where can people find you, Mike? Where, where do you hang out online? People are interested yeah. in understanding more about who you are and what you do. Sure, sure. So, um, you know, feel free to get in touch. Uh, you know, Key Persons Influence Queensland is uh, the business name. Um, you know, if you want to find me on Facebook, it's Facebook, and then Michael Clark, so Michael Clark, T-I-R-K, uh, so it's Michael Clark 03. Uh, it's typically Michael Clark 03 or Mike, M-I-K-E-C-I-R-K 03. It's typically my social channels, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, or LinkedIn. So feel free to just get in touch. LinkedIn, I'm, I'm very active on that, so feel free to get in touch there. You know, if you want a free copy of the book, Key Person of Influence, um, I'm happy to send a copy of that out to anybody. If you're particularly if you're in Australia, you can send a digital copy if you're international. And um, yeah, if, if this has touched you in any way, I'd love to, to hear about it. Um, but yeah, we've got lots of stuff going on in Queensland, different events and different things like that. If anybody wants to get in touch, if they are based in Queensland, but uh, I, I've really enjoyed connecting with you on this topic, Damon, and thanks for the opportunity. It's been nice to reflect on this. Yeah, oh, my pleasure, and thank you, Mike. Um, I'll make sure all those links are in the show notes. People can find you easily. And, yep. uh, yeah, great great place to leave the conversation. Thanks again for your time. And I'll uh, catch you again soon. Yeah, definitely, mate. Well, listen, thanks for that. And uh, look forward to catching up with you again soon, my friend. Thanks again for the opportunity. And, and for whoever's tuned in, I hope you've been able to, to get a couple of insights. And my question would be to you, you know, what couple of things are you going to change as a result of this and when are you going to do it? So until, until we uh, see you again, meet again, uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for having me on the show. Now, I hope you really enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Uh, for those of you who've been following my work for a while, uh, I've put out the seven essential practices for overcoming insecurity. Uh, I'm convinced that insecurity can be overcome and not just masked, managed, or avoided. Uh, but I think people who throughout time have found a way to show up to life unhindered have done so a certain way. There are keys that each of them have used and so my work has been to compile these ideas and, and make sense of the stuff that's worked and, and deconstruct key ideas so they can be used and reproduced. So look, that's available on my website. Um, I'm particularly interested in having conversations about overcoming insecurity for entrepreneurs 
and even more particularly 35 to 40 year old entrepreneurs I just think entrepreneurs have got skin in the game they have such a desperate need to solve this problem because it's all them showing up in the world solving problems so it's good for the world to have entrepreneurs uh, at their best where it matters most so if that's you uh, love to have a conversation jump on my website have a look at the seven essential practices and take the online assessment just to see how you measure up against these seven practices and how well you're doing and uh, look love, love to have a conversation with you if you think it could be helpful i'll talk to you again next week you've been listening to the insecurity project i hope you found the content and conversations useful and remember you are not just the actor in the story you are the storyteller have the ability to turn this all around for more information about overcoming insecurity check out the insecurityproject.com